Hello there, it's Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese, episode 115, it's Chappie, your British butler, your real McCoy British butler, at your service for the next hour or two this weekend on your uh, beloved podcast that we like to call a whimsical ramshackle affair, Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. It's lovely to be here. The Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese Collective has a new home on a beautiful uh, Vietnamese desk. Um, I, I almost imagine that Ernest Hemingway, uh, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe even Shakespeare. If Shakespeare was alive today, he'd be writing a sonnet on this desk in a windswept cottage in Cape Cod with a turtleneck on. I can just see it right now. But I mean, that's my ambition anyway. If only I could write, I can talk. I can, I can present a nonsensical uh, podcast, packed up sort of radio show experience for you. And that's why we're here. I'm speaking into uh, my delicious uh, unicorn fluffy flannelette pillow, uh, trying to give you the best resonance possible. As much resonance and polish as and love and attention as this desk was put together by my love. It's cracked all the way across. I mean, it's probably shipped over on some sort of boat from Vietnam and it's cracked all the way across and with love, care and attention, some wood glue, some filler and lots of polish, lots of elbow grease. It looks rather beautiful. And this is going to be the home for Keep Coming Cauliflower Cheese until, you know, I don't know, the BBC or Sirius or Apple Podcasts, Spotify decide to build Chappie a studio. Well, you know, we can dream. It's probably closer to the fact that I'll end up in some sort of barn with maybe straw around the microphone giving it the resonance than uh, any professional studio. But we, uh, we'll see, we shall see how things come along. But we've reached 1.15. Um, I, I've actually I brought the little notch calendar that we have. Uh, and also I brought the gnomes that I count every single podcast to make sure that I have... Uh, got the right number because i i'm not very good with numbers i'm very very right-brained i'm the most right-brained uh naughty little chappy you'll ever meet and i i mean seriously science math i mean even if you give me if you give me an abacus or anything along those lines it isn't going to isn't going to make a difference i i am terrible with numbers better with names Better remembering long poetic stanzas than, uh, than, than, than numbers. And I have to say, I need a little pep. You know, I do the podcast at various times. Sometimes in the evening. Sometimes I record it in the morning. There's the cocks crowing. Um, and again, that's no euphemism here. I, I, I go, by the, by, go by candlelight sometimes at dusk. Or maybe at dawn. No, before I have my uh, my muesli and a nice uh, strong cup of tea. But what's the elixir? Well, you know, when when Zeus wanted a drink back in the day, they didn't give him the best claret, not a not a Chateau Lafitte or a Mouton Rothschild or anything like that, or a, or a nice bottle of Bollinger or a Veuve Clicquot, Dom Perignon. None of that. Zeus. And the Greek gods, the Acropolis, when they settled down at the Acropolis to dine and wine, or both of them, they were drinking 
sparkling ice strawberry lemonade. Now these these little beauties are very very difficult to come back, and, and and sometime on the podcast, either today or, or Saturday's podcast, we will. Uh, I did contact customer service at uh, the Sparkling Ice Company to make the best, best, most delicious elixirs of the gods you'll ever taste. Uh, but the strawberry lemonade, I think it is, it, it, it is to the drink industry, the non-sugar drink industry, what the blue pill is to erectile dysfunction. I mean, it gives you a pep back in your step. I, I'm not sure in that area particularly, but in terms of energy, in terms of all the beautiful uh, antioxidants that are in there as well, you feel that you're, you're drinking goodness, you're drinking the nectar of the gods, potentially. But here we go with another edition of Keep Coming College Chat Flower Cheese. So I would say, my darling, providing me with strawberry lemonade makes you the greatest of all time, the goat. Now, is it okay calling my girlfriend a goat? Well, it's not like, you know, across the rickety bridge with trolls underneath or Billy Goat's gruff with, you know, a hairy top lip or hairy chin. No, beautiful, absolutely delightful. The greatest all time girlfriend bringing me strawberry lemonade, which has given me the sort of boost, the rocket boost. I mean, you think about Musk, you think about Bezos, you think about Branson. This is the rocket boost that I need to provide you the podcast of your dreams today. So this is a dusk edition of Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. I, I should really, I really should be doing this by candlelight because there is no light in the room, just the light of all my technological equipment that brings you the podcast, a shining a beam, maybe a miner's light, a miner's helmet could possibly be the, uh, the attire for a podcast that's filmed as the storm rolls in and dusk is arriving, all like uh, the old DJ on Midnight Call who used to sit there in the dark, just with his microphone flashing and sunglasses on. That's how it feels a little bit. And that's uh, the sort of uh, ambiance that I'm giving you today on uh, on Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. So, on the show, we have... We always like to dabble into eccentric English food. There's more of it this week. Uh, we have uh, eccentrically and charmingly odd British town names to give you. Again, this could be on the show today or tomorrow or maybe in the future. Don't hold me to it. Don't keep notes. Don't uh, don't keep me to a running order. Don't shackle me. I mean, this is like after the Broncos burst through the gates. This is after the Lord Mayor's show. The horse has bolted and uh, broken out of the barn in terms of this podcast here. So I'm having an issue, and I'm sure all of you, when you move, many issues occur. Uh, but I've got some very upset dogs. I've got a chewer in a corgi, and then I've got a whiny uh, border collie that's very, very anxious and also very uh, concerned and has separation anxiety. So trying whatever I can to calm them down calm the hounds down let's just reset and calm the hounds also what i put in my hair instead of clay i mean i'm not talking about pottery clay i mean you couldn't uh, you couldn't uh, mold a mug 
I guess I guess I guess the hair's on top of my mug, so to speak. But it's not it's not molding clay. It's not I'm not making uh, beautiful uh, pristine uh, bone china or anything like that. No, holds the hair in place, keeps the hurt curls from uh, falling through. It's like the little girl with the middle with the curl in the middle of her forehead. When she was good, she was very very good, and when she was bad, she was horrid. That's why I worry about the curls appearing through the through the matte clay holding everything together also we're going to introduce you to Cedric the repairman I also have a very very talkative doorman and how that's uh, how that's playing with me how that's uh, a sort of irritant uh, big stern men on skateboards my opinion on it um, possibly the talking tea cozy I, I seem to be getting hits as I said recently People want to see my face. I don't know why. I mean, I've always said I got a perfect face for radio. You know, a perfect face for radio before the facelift. Um, and but no, people seem to people seem to be enjoying me revealing myself um, facially, obviously. Um, so no, the talking tea cozy could uh, could come into could come into uh, the order of play, so to speak. Also. I had a Zen mover in the week who helped us move a chair from one house to another. So the Zen mover. Um, I also saw a very large man goose stepping, which is quite interesting. Uh, there's, a, there's an app called TaskRabbit. Now that's not, um, you know, that, that's not like, like the human embodiment of the, uh, of the naughty carnal toy that some ladies use. No. It's not that's not the rabbit in task or the task rabbit, so to speak. Uh, also, the barber that didn't talk, um, and, and also being thorough isn't my middle name. I feel like I'm the eighty percent guy. So the ingredient would always be better than bacon. One storyline in Crown season five is set to be incredibly controversial. We had a full blue moon that appeared for the first time in a while. The French have long looked for dark forces to blame on everyday events. We also love talking about the French on the podcast here. Gujarati, villagers shed tears for the demise of their favorite crocodile. The return of cargo pants. The goldfinger Aston Martin turns up in the Middle East 24 years after the theft. I do wonder if the ejector seat is in the, in the Aston Martin. Always remember what Q said to Bond. Is it a jackter sheet? You're joking. Goldfinger's Aston Martin turns up in the Middle East 24 years after theft. A stolen Aston Martin was driven by Sean Connery and Goldfinger has been spotted in the Middle East. The car which belonged to Anthony uh, Puglisi, a property developer, vanished from the private hangar at Boca Raton Airport in Florida 24 years ago. There could be a hope for the investigation after a witness spotted a car with a matching serial number to the missing Aston Martin in a private home in the Middle Eastern country, which has not yet been identified. The silver vehicle was fitted with ejector seats, machine guns, and tire shredding blades. Oil, smoke, and water emitters were also built into the bodywork, with a slot in the boot allowing for bulletproof shield to move up and down. Christopher Marinello, Chief Executive of Art Recovery International, has worked on finding the thief for more than a decade. He said Dubai, Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, and Bahrain were areas of interest. 
there were major automobile collectors in those countries and I have intelligence. It almost had like they got MI6 involved to find the missing Aston Martin. Uh, and the car could be one of them and it's traveled between the automobile collectors. I'm hoping that the possessor will come forward voluntarily because I have to make an announcement. It's my policy to give possessors of stolen and looted objects every opportunity to do the right thing. I do not believe the current possessor knew the car was stolen. He added that since being alerted, the owner has gone quiet and has been cautious in not exhibiting it in a private setting and that the car was spotted. That's the risk you take. You cannot publicly show it off, but you never know who's going to come forward. We're getting closer and closer. I'm waiting for my phone to ring. The DB5, which is thought to be worth more than 18.2 million, became known as the most famous car in the world. It was designed by Aston Martin by Casarese Touring Superlegra, the Italian coach builder named after Sir David Brown, who owned the luxury car manufacturer from 1947 to 72. Bought the car for 275000 at a Sotheby's auction in New York in 1986. His insurance company paid him $4.2 million after it was stolen. The insurers were offering $100,000 reward to anybody who provides information. The thieves are thought to have dragged the vehicle out of the hangar by its axles before loading it into a waiting cargo plane and flying it away. I mean, this sounds like a plot of a bomb movie. Air traffic control may not have picked the unscheduled aircraft flying through the area as Boca Raton was an uncontrolled airspace. The mystery of the missing vehicle is detailed in an eight-part podcast, the most famous car in the world, hosted by Elizabeth Hurley, also known as Mrs. Kensington. Yeah, baby. So, my couple of dogs, and alas, uh, as I said, yeah, dearest Jack is no longer with us, um, but uh, the, two, the two hounds in the family... We've got George and Maggie. So, move to a new Chappy Towers, downsized Chappy Towers, tightening the belt Chappy Towers. And um, they, they had trouble getting used to the whole situation. Like, Maggie's a chur. I mean, she's pretty, pretty good. Baby Corky, year old. And then George the Border Collie. So, I have a little camera set up, sort of dog voyeur camera, I guess, See, seeing what's going on. Uh, whilst I'm away, whilst I'm at uh, going about my my uh, astute butler duties, and uh, watching uh, George howl, whine, yelp, bark all day, tried everything, tried the hypersonic, ultrasonic uh, sound machine thing that uh, they don't like the sound of. Well, George barks and whines right through the hypersonic sound. So all those eggheads and geniuses who put that together, I don't think it works for the Border Collie. You know, I think she'd be rather herding sheep and uh, doing her thing than, uh, than, than, than sitting around an apartment waiting for your dear host to come home. So, tried that. And then I thought, well, what should I do? I think I'm going to put my uh, back catalogue of uh, podcasts on. Let's try that. So I put on the first episode of Keep Calm and Little Fauci's, which was back, way back in April 2020. Can you believe it? So I put that on, just leave it on all day. It made them, it made them even crazier, or made George even crazier, like a lunatic. Like you'd have to be restrained or straightjacketed or something along those lines. She really didn't like that. So my back catalogue wasn't working. So 
hmm, I thought, well, what do I need to relax? I mean, they have the dog YouTube channel, which is basically squirrels and rodents and critters running around, and dogs sit and watch it. Now, I don't think I've ever seen George. None of my older dogs like that. I mean, uh, a puppy or, or whoever may may see that as a novelty, but they don't like they don't like the YouTube uh, they don't like the YouTube dog TV. That didn't that didn't work for them. So I thought I'd put on a selection, shuffled on the speaker, classical music. Now that seemed to help. Some Bach to Beethoven to Vivaldi to Wagner. I mean, it all, it all was helping. It was soothing the collie's troubled soul about moving to a new little nook rather than the spacious east wing that she used to have. So the classical music worked. But the thing that really worked, I was reading from us and I thought, well, you know what? Maybe I need to try some of these CBD uh, this is the, uh, you know, uh, the marijuana extract without the THC. Yeah, I mean, you, you don't want a, you don't want a high hallucinogenic border collie walking around seeing sheep. I mean, it's like when you go to sleep. I mean, I do wonder if, if the border collie did get high, if it would see a field of sheep and start chasing them. I, I don't. But the CBD chewy treats. I mean, I tried it, you know, wrapped in a little bit of turkey. And she spat it out first. Then I wrapped it a little bit firm in more turkey. And then she ate it. So a couple of chews. And you had a border collie that was probably two sheets to the wind. Or maybe even three sheets to the wind. And she was uber relaxed. And today with the classical music and the chewy CBD treats. We found Ladies and Mantelpieces solution to whining, upset anxious collie it's a mixture of classical and the cbd so boris johnson calls time on lifelong lateness poor timekeeping is no obstacle to becoming prime minister Theresa may confess that being constantly late was a trait she most disliked in herself winston churchill was half an hour late to a rendezvous at blenheim palace with his fiancee clementine on the day he proposed to her it always reminds me, though, just just at the side quickly. I mean, we'll get back to Boris and his uh, lateness in a second here. So it always reminds me of when uh, President Roosevelt, uh, I think, came to meet uh, Winston Churchill. I don't know if he was staying at Blenheim or Checkers, maybe. I don't think it was at Downing Street. Maybe Checkers. And uh, Roosevelt was getting impatient. He was meant to be meeting Winston Churchill. And, and Churchill just kept him waiting, kept him waiting, kept him waiting. And, and Roosevelt was saying, I really, want to see, I really want to see Winston, you know. And, um, you know, he kept talking to the stewards and the butlers or whatever, you know, the people who looked after Churchill, Churchill's keepers. And it, well, well, the Prime Minister will be out very soon. And Roosevelt was so impatient, he barged in on, on Churchill. And Churchill was uh, standing there, absolutely stark naked. And he said to Roosevelt, Mr. Roosevelt, the old bird will not fall out of the nest. So anyway, back to Boris Johnson's lateness. So Boris, too, is notorious for his tardiness. But this week it was emerged that he appears to have devised a way to change it. 
On Monday, Downing Street published a photograph of Johnson marking a minute's silence of the victims of the Plymouth shootings. While the clock on the mantelpiece marked a minute past 11, the time on his wristwatch was 11.14. Had the picture been staged or digitally manipulated? Another photo from July the 7th put to bed those claims Johnson clad in an England football shirt had been snapped, raising his fist with his back turned to the camera. His watch read 6.58, but the digital timestamp gave the time to 6.46. The Prime Minister, it became apparent, sets his watch about 12 minutes fast. Andrew Grimson, his biographer, is not surprised. He's always been late. He's used to be grotesquely late for giving speeches, and then depends on him being able to charm people, which he usually could. He's also been a habit of a lifetime. Eaton, Johnson was given unprecedented rebuke for turning at 45 minutes late to meet the Provost uh, Lady Chatteris, a decidedly intimidating figure who spent most of her life in royal service. The decision to set his watch fast may just be the latest sign of a desire by the Prime Minister to do better. Since he admitted to hospital with COVID-19 last year, Johnson has improved his diet, exercised more, and it's emerged his weekend uh, that he's given up alcohol while his wife Carrie is pregnant with their second child. So it's, it's a rather more responsible, less bumbling Boris. But I'm wondering, if his watch, do you think his watch has uh, the Mickey Mouse hands on there? He's got little white hands there telling him it's a quarter past ten, uh, when really it's 10.30. So going back to my favourite drink at the moment, my favourite elixir, my favourite little pep, my, my favourite little mid-afternoon delightful beverage. Well, not just the mid-afternoon, every time of the day. So these sparkling ices, they come in all sorts of flavours, uh, no sugar, lots of vitamins, antioxidants. They taste so bloody good. Anyway, so I become rather addicted. I was introduced by my lovely to the crisp apple version. And this is like the best sparkling apple juice you're ever going to try. But there's no sugar in it, and you just wouldn't believe it. It tastes sweet. It has a little tartness, a little sharpness, a little tingling of the tongue when you have it. But it is, is amazing. I mean, it is, as I said before, it is the beverage of the gods. But you can't get it for love nor money. I mean, I've, I've tried looking up on the Walmart website, on all of the different shopping websites, Amazon, all of these. And I can't find it anywhere. It could be delivered in three months. Something ridiculous. So I decided last night to contact. Every company has a little chat function now. You know, if you have a board or you uh, have nothing to do, you've run out of movies or your cable's been disconnected or something along those lines, then you can always chat to people. Chat to people at your favorite food and beverage emporiums. So I, I, I talked to the lady. I said, hello there, sparkling ice people. Do you have crisp apple? Please tell me that you do. Or has it been discontinued? And the lady, very nice lady, said, thanks for your query. I, I see crisp apple is available and it's not on the discontinue list. And uh, she asked me if I checked all these stores. I said, I've checked religiously. I've checked daily, minutely, secondly. I've looked for the crisp apple and I cannot find it anywhere. It cannot be delivered. It's not available anywhere. Um, and, and I said, very, very delayed. Sam's Club, very, very delayed. And she said, I'm very sorry to hear that. 
And then she wanted my phone number, my address, everything else. And the zip code as well. And then I asked her, please, my dear, I'm so thirsty. I'm so thirsty. Can you send me a 12-pack? So then she took my address. So maybe I'm getting a 12-pack. I tell you, it would be the moment when the 12-pack arrives. It would be a celebratory moment indeed. So this would be the moment. This is what I'd be hearing in my head as I open a door and the crisp apple was on the doorstep. The delicious crispiness, the appleness, the goodness, the apple goodness. Mmm, little taste bud tingling, the anticipation of the tartness on the tongue once again. I mean, at the moment, I'm just like closing my eyes and imagining, closing my eyes and dreaming of the day the crisp apple will appear once again on my humble doorstep. I might have to put it in the freezer to crisp it up, to ice it up. To have those little flakes of ice in there as well. Oh my God, that's so so good as well. I mean, the strawberry lemonade is pretty good as well, I have to say. And that is the moment the crisp apple goes to my lips and goes down my gullet once again. The iciness, the fireworks going off in my palate. Oh, the pleasure cannon going off all over. <laughs> it's so refreshing. It does reach the parts that other drinks cannot reach. And sparkling ice customer service lady. I hang off. You're a delightful woman. And you will be bringing the holy grail of drinks right back to my lips. Oh, and I said that there was very little strawberry lemonade available too. And she said, oh, did Andrew? And almost like I've got an obsession here this week with Winston Churchill's nakedness. But so our enigmatic, eccentric British prime ministers continue, the series continues with Winston Churchill. And Churchill spent a large part of one visit to the White House naked. Winston Churchill could easily claim the title of Britain's most eccentric prime minister, as his frequent appearances already demonstrate. It could easily be enough to be dedicated entirely to him the most eccentric of all prime ministers. Though he was prime minister just 60 years ago, some of the stories of his life seem to fit better with the stranger days of the early 18th century politics. He took 60 bottles of assorted alcoholic drinks with him when he went to cover the Boer War, as the war correspondent of the Morning Post. He ended up as a prisoner of war, but escaped by scaling a wall and hiding in a mine shaft for three days. And he liked to wear a green velvet siren suit, an all-in-one garment, 
that was effectively the first onesie in the world. I've always been trying to figure out and find a onesie that fits a bigger man because it, it almost looks like you're uh, when wearing one of those sumo wrestler suits, I think, if you're a slightly larger chap. Possibly the most startling story about Churchill is about the time when at the height of the war, late in 1941, he paid a 24-day visit to the White House and spent a sizable amount of the time naked. In the words of the White House chief usher, J.B. West, he wore the jumpsuit or nothing. The jumpsuit being one of his specially designed one-piece siren suits. What if he was like seeing the siren, trying to attract the suitors, and the ladies wearing a, a onesie, stinking of cigars and scotch, uh, some of which look quite smart, like a military uniform, others of which look remarkably like a toddler's romper suit. I mean, Churchill did look, I mean, that's the whole adage, is like the whole uh, Benjamin Button thing. Like old men do look like babies, and babies look like old men. And Churchill could be like a big baby smoking a cigar and scotch. But his onesie is, as it would like more military uniform, and others look remarkably like a toddler's romper suit. But in his room, he often chose to wear nothing at all. And it's not as if his room was a place of particular privacy, which nobody but the noses of fellow White House residents would ever see him. West noted, the servants never quite got over seeing him naked in the room when they go to serve him brandy. I mean, I think after the, uh, the servants served Churchill brandy and saw him naked, they would probably need a good nip of the good stuff too. So keeping these luscious locks in place is a devil's own job. Now, you know, I'm a 44-year-old chap, and I should be very grateful that I have any hair at all. I mean, to be honest, as you get older, hair gets everywhere. I mean, it's in, in every orifice, in places you don't want, and you need the gentleman's grooming kit for every part of your body. But hair on the head definitely isn't a problem for me. Um, but keeping it in one place, I mean, I have a, like a sort of long mop on top and getting a comb for it's very hard. So I need to use some sort of pretty viscous, almost cement-like matte clay to keep everything in place. And uh, so I use this, uh, you know, put it in the hair after the shower and, uh, you know, none of the curls will pop out to play through the course of the day. But the other day, uh, you know, wash the, wash the locks. It's like Rapunzel's hair being let down. Or, uh, or maybe Samson before it is cut. You know, long and luscious, unctuous hair. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I didn't even have a chance to blow it. I had to towel dry the, towel dry the, the mop. And uh, got the matte clay out. And I was thinking, well, what the hell's going on here? It's so soapy. Like, it, it was like oozing bubbles, soapiness. It was like laundry detergent or or uh, fairy liquid bubbly in my hair. As, co as I combed it more vigorously, the bubbles just kept popping out. It was like kids blowing bubbles from a, you know, a bubble bath or something along those lines. So I was thinking, what on earth am I doing? I mean, it is a case of like forever blowing bubbles. I mean, I need to, I need to figure this out because I can't go around with like a soap study hair. And I think I, I must have just put soap dispensed out of the soap dispenser and popped it on the hair. That's all I can think of. But it was so soapy. And I washed it out. And um, still, after washing it through, I didn't 
didn't shampoo again. After washing it through, it was still soapy. I was like brushing soap out. And I thought, I, I just can't add more matte clay to the mix here. But it's like doing a science experiment at, at school. And you have that, uh, almost like that uh, bar of, uh, of, of magnesium that bubbles away and froths away. My hair almost like had a, a bar of magnesium uh, wedged in between it. And it was bubbling and frothing and I had no clue what to do. I almost thought that I would might have to uh, cut my losses and wear a tweed hat for the rest of the day. So I think maybe I accidentally ingested one of those uh, CBD dog treats. I, I think tomorrow, more, tomorrow's podcast, I am going to try one of the CBD uh, dog treats. Um, you know, for the you, the listener, I'm going to do a consumer taste test and uh, and see what the CBD uh, dog treat does for your dear chappy. But I just saw it was it was talking about selling seats for concerts, and it was a bottom, a posterior, an ass talking, and the cheeks were wobbling around uh, like a mouth moving, and they were talking about selling seats for concerts. It was, I don't know, it was like a, a flat man's bottom bulging out and chatting. Uh, I, I do feel that one of the dogs has given me one of these CBD treats because it's absolutely bizarre. That and the advert that's talking about my fatty liver. The AILs are working their magic this week, I tell you. So do you have the appetite for apps on your phone or do you get app indigestion? I saw this. This was, uh, I saw Sarah Runnels uh, on Twitter. I find dates on apps. I get rides on apps. I order dinner on apps. Call that life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. So I'm often bringing Britishisms and eccentric uh, British habits and foods to you, the listeners across the world. But today, I'm bringing you from America, maybe a replacement for bacon. I've never tried it, but it sounds rather scrumptious. And it's from New Jersey. So depending on which New Jerseyan you ask, the most magical pork product of all time is either called Taylor Ham or pork roll. The former is the most common in the north chunk of the state, the latter more popular in the central and south. In any case, neither of the full name. In the 1908 advertisement, it said, look out for imitators. See that you get the genuine Taylor pork roll. The omission of ham was not an accident. Because technically speaking, Taylor ham is not uh, ham. The Pure Food and Drug Act of 1906 nipped it in the bud. Made with salt, sugar and spices as a salami-like flavor and spam-like texture. So irresistible, it's not long after its inception. Uh, people couldn't stop cooking with it for breakfast. To the scorn of some kosher relatives. Taylor ham was invented by John Taylor, born in 1836 in Hamilton Square, New Jersey. After working in a brickyard as a teenager, he went on to own a grocery store, chair a finance committee, establish an opera house, and becoming senator. I mean, you can't know. Seeing pork rolls and opera together is an, is an odd mix, to say the least. Pork roll is his legacy. In New Jersey, this ingredient is findable at any supermarket, more commonly a pre-sliced package. It's given just about at any diner. 
which is saying something in a state more diners than any other state, like bacon, Taylor ham fries alongside fried eggs, hash browns, is even better on a Kaiser roll with gooey eggs and gooey cheese. NewYork.com even ranked the top 20 Taylor ham pork roll sandwich as an honorary just to be nominated sort of deal. Still, to limit Taylor ham to breakfast would be like caging a seagull at the shore. It's at its home, yes, but it cannot soar as it longs to. Taylor ham is a smart swap with about anything you would actually use ham, bacon or sausage. Think fried rice, carbonara, potato salad, macaroni and cheese, baked beans or bacon lettuce, tomato, but with a Taylor ham roll, bacon, admitted lettuce and tomato. Like bacon, Taylor ham not only needs minutes in a skillet to become crackly at the edges and glossy with rendered fat, the trick is to score the slice and instead of puffing it stays flat in the skillet become crispier than crispier and crispiest. It's salty, porky, unami is a soulmate to juicy tomatoes, watery lettuce, squishy bread and even more mayonnaise. But before you say it, I know, I know you can no longer be called a BLT without the B. And I agree, it's neither the THLT or PRLT is quite the same ring. These technicalities only matter after you take your first bite. So I'm now dying for maybe a crispy roll with a fried egg, some of the Taylor pork roll, and maybe a slice of black pudding. Mmm. Ooh, hello, I didn't see you there. It's Trump or trombone. So, first up on the Oki. A rare species of endangered frog nicknamed the scrotum frog because of its saggy skin has gone on display at a British zoo for the first time. The Lake Trikaka frog is the world's largest aquatic frog. It spends most of its life at the bottom of the lake, absorbing oxygen using its saggy folds of excessive skin. This trait labelled it the scrotum frog. Twenty of the rare amphibians are now being cared for at the Chester Zoo where experts are studying their behaviour as part of conservation efforts. The zoo is the first in Europe to give home to the species and it's hoped that conservation efforts will prevent its total extinction. Luckily it's now illegal to harvest these frogs but Peruvian and Bolivian locals are still known to do so. They use them in smoothies because they believe it enhances virility and energy. I mean it has given me inspiration for my uh, new reptile band Scrotum Frog and the Tadpoles. No more frog smoothies. We all stand together. And a waiter has won a claim of unfair dismissal after his childish boss farted and grinned while wafting the smell towards him in front of the customers. Alessandro Cristella, owner of the popular Italian uh, antipasto restaurant in London, also repeatedly burped at Edgar Simplicio's face and asked him whether he'd like to see a picture of his feces. The owner claimed that this was just childish sense of humour, but following a massive row overheard by customers, an employment tribunal has now ruled that the wait was unfairly dismissed. Reports say that Cretella suffered from excessive gas and explained his condition means he cannot control when he burps or breaks wind. Gratuitous gratuity, hopefully not at 20%. And soups made with the flesh of deadly spitting cobras are considered a rare delicacy in South China. 
but preparing it turned out to be a fatal move for one chef. Peng Fan from Foshan was proud to have it on his menu as preparing the dish for diners when an unusual tragedy happened. Having decapitated the uh, spitting cobra, he spent 20 minutes making the soup and then started tidying the kitchen. He picked up the head to throw in the bin and then suddenly it bit him. The venom was from spitting cobra is particularly nasty. It closed neurotoxins that can kill within 30 minutes, paralyzing the victims and suffocating them to death. Restaurant guest Lin uh, Sun said, we're in a restaurant having a meal uh, for my wife's birthday and there's suddenly a lot of commotion and screaming uh, coming from the kitchen. Once bitten, twice shy, wide-eyed and legless. So if you've listened to the podcast throughout the course of the year, you'll know my hatred of pumpkin spice. Move over, Pumpkin Spice, Starbucks debuts new Apple Crisp Coffee and its full menu as it returns to stores and fans can't get enough of this tasty, awesome beverage. Starbucks bring back its full menu of Pumpkin Spice Lattes in the US and Canada the starting this week. It's the earliest return for the PSL ever. The chain is also debuting the Apple Crisp Macchiati. The Pumpkin Spice Latte is getting some competition on the menus at Starbucks. Debuts its fruity new Apple Crisp Macchiati. This whole show today has been about Apple Crisp, hasn't it really? The coffee chain delighted fans by announcing that it's bringing back its full menu, including the beloved PSL. It sounds like some sort of terrorist or something. It is. It's a terrorist on the taste buds. PSL is a terrorist on the taste buds. The Apple Crisp Macchiati is flavoured with an apple, brown, sugar, cinnamon, nutmeg, topped with a pie-like lattice of caramelized, spiced apple drizzle. I want to be topped with a pie-like lattice of caramelized, spiced apple drizzle. Yes, please, mummy. The new drink has been in development for some time, and while an apple-flavored coffee might seem strange to some, Starbucks says it makes perfect sense. Consider how well a delicious slice of warm apple pie pairs with a cup of coffee, or how the combination of Starbucks' roasty signature espresso pairs with warm spices such as cinnamon and nutmeg, says Reagan Powell, senior manager. It could be ordered hot or iced, and is finished with brown sugar and a cinnamon topping. We hope that customers will enjoy their apple crisp macchiato hot or cold and feel comfort as they take it on their fall and autumnal travels. Whether they're going to football games, apple picking, trick or treating, it's going to be an absolutely delicious treat for one and all. I think this is absolutely fantastic. I say move over pumpkin spice latte PSL next. It's been lovely, lovely, lovely to have you here listening to the podcast. Keep calm and cauliflower cheese. And just to talk to you a little bit about the platforms. Firstly, like and subscribe wherever you can. Uh, it's on Apple Music, across uh, Amazon Music as well, and on Audible now, I believe. And uh, also iHeartRadio, Pandora, uh, and obviously on Spotify. If you like a musical edition of the podcast, if you like music, if you like a playlist, that includes Elton John, Nancy Sinatra, Burt Bacharach, Coldplay. Also, uh, Paul McCartney, Alicia Keys, uh, some Doja Cat, some Ariana Grande. Then that's a place for you if you like that. If you like a little bit of chappy and some music together. If you think it's like apple pie and cream, chappy and music together. That is what your needs are. Then uh, then listen to the Spotify uh, Butler Musical Jig Emporium edition. Something along those lines. We, we can call it whatever you want. 
But I will be back again uh, tomorrow on the podcast. Uh, but coming up next, we have a nice sort of Augusty autumnal poem. It may be a little bit early, but this poem is actually called Early Autumn. Early autumn arrived with fresh frost and grey skies, the arid air, absent and dry, through a slow bellowing blow, brushes through bulimic trees, decapitated and diseased as we shuffle sadly below, beautiful brown and bronze clecked in lovely dead leaf decadence. Martyred in malnourishment, given to their graves, sun sneaking away to hide, over the hill she sleeps behind, where the daylight retires, and the darkness comes alive. In the distant horizon is where we die. Our breath blows like the bleach on the breeze, and our blood-fingered begin to freeze. We swallow them with our sleeves, walking silently down the empty street in some small sanctuary, an age-old cemetery, the cold cathedral with its arms uh, and doors closed as we're looking past it for so much more. The surface of the soil is drowned, puddles lay frozen like cracked glass on the ground. We shatter them with our shoes, looking down towards our toes in this garden of graveyard tombs. Buried in the barrows, the bodies of black beds, doctors made them hollow, artists made them pretty again. Only in words did they ever live, no longer in memory nor heirloom to give, only on cement soil, an address you reluctantly call home. And no one comes to you all alone that is like to be forgotten. There's a statue where a mortal mother cried for a child that shouldn't have died, and she whispering in solemn prayer till daybreak and shadows flee away. Here we talked of history and painful past memory, sharing secrets and shedding scars, sleeping uncomfortably on the hood of your cars, looking at the stars where you stole my heart. That was a little mournful but very beautiful. Thank you for listening to the podcast. It's Chappie out for now, but I will return tomorrow. Until then, have a lovely early part of your weekend and cheerio for now. <laughs>